Hello, welcome back to the Flix Forum podcast with Jesse and MJ, where each episode we go back and look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is our 18th day of Podmas, where we are putting out an episode every day in the lead up to Christmas. Today, our Netflix film is the 66th film. It's a 2018 sci-fi horror, The Cloverfield Paradox. It's directed by Julia Sonar, and it stars Daniel Brühl, Elizabeth Debicki, Axel Henney, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Chris O'Dowd, John Ortiz, David Aleo, and Zhang Shiyi. That's really good, mate. I, I, I know I criticize you for reading out too many cast members sometimes, but that's yep. perfect for this one. I think you needed to talk about a few people in this. Okay? Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, it's a, there's a lot yeah. of characters a, that play proper roles, roles in this. But can yeah. you believe we've done 18 episodes in a row every Christmas single day? This is a week away. So this is... Do you think we'll do it in 2020? What are, your, what are your thoughts right now? I'm asking you on the spot, on air. Do you think we'll do Podmas next year? You put year? me under the pump. I, it's been a big commitment. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. It's, uh, it's hectic. The door is open, is what our listeners can hear right now. Maybe we just For, work on... I don't even know what we work on. Maybe we'll do 365 episodes a year. Well, do it every day. Nah, I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> Actually, Netflix will run out of content. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass. Although we're still... What, what's this? This, is, this was released on the 4th of February 2018, so we're still a long way behind. And Netflix isn't slowing down. I'm feeling exhausted and you saying that. It's making me feel even <laughs> only got a week, more exhausted. Okay, firstly, a week left of Podmas. Yeah. Then it's a week till Christmas. Christmas is great. You it know is. what? I'll give you some time off over Christmas. Really? I'll give you a week off. That's very kind of you. I'll, yeah. I'll take more than a week, I think. I'll take a month. It'll be great. We'll just, yeah, we can take a month <laughs> and we'll just record three episodes now. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> really? I like the sound of that. All right, so we start our show <laughs> with our Fast Flicks where we do a quick summary of the film, MJ. Give us your summary. Let's do it. For Cloverfield Paradox, an international team of scientists has been up in space for nearly two years trying to uncover a sustainable energy source when their expedition goes AWOL and they find themselves in an alternate dimension. Nice. Is that, is that right? Were they, were they trying to find a sustainable energy source? Is that what they Correct. Did? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if I... Correct. I, I made a note that, say your fast flicks, then double check with Jesse whether that was actually what happened. Yep, cool. Good. I... I've gone very similar, but very different. Oh, that's which is intriguing. So I've said, the world is running out of energy. So a diverse bunch of people go to space to try and fix the problem. Yeah, it's, you said diverse. I said international. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we've both They don't up. shy away from the fact that they've got someone from different countries. Yeah, they kind of like that. put their logos the logo on, on their shirts. Like... I was a little bit confused with some of the logos on their shirts, but I, 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 <laughs> so, I like that. Like, we can tell by their accents that they're not all American. It's okay. Not necessarily, because I've got some problems with some of the accents ah, too. Cool, 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 cool. So this one, we, we like to check out what we can find about a film. And this one, there's a lot. Mm. An awful lot. Can I throw to you? So yes. you're a J.J. Abrams fan. I am a massive J.J. Abrams fan. And this is, you know, somewhat of a J.J. Abrams brainchild, whilst it has been sort of tweaked and yep. pushed and forced down this rabbit hole. Definitely. But talk to me about Cloverfield in general. The whole, this Cloverfield, it's a trilogy right now. It's probably yep. going to be more than a trilogy. What is this Cloverfield world and how does this film become a part of it? Spoiler alert, we're going to spoil this film. So before I start going on about Cloverfield, if you haven't seen Cloverfield, 10 Cloverfield Lane or The Cloverfield Paradox... Probably pause. Okay. Relax. Come back when you've watched them. Um, That's a good point. It's hard not to ruin them. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm a big fan of the previous films. Yeah. I didn't mind this film. I'm, no, I'm not talking about that yet, but didn't mind this film. Um, I love, like I said, I like J.J. Abrams' work. Cloverfield is this world that I'm not 100% sure they know where they're going. Yeah, cool. That's uh, how I feel about it too. And well, <clears throat> so the first film was an original idea. Mm. I thought it worked really well. I really liked it. The second film, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I really liked the film apart from the Cloverfield aspects. It's a good film, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a very good film if you cut. And then again, this film's similar to the second one where it's 100%. it's a film where they've just dumped some Cloverfield ideas into it. So I'm torn a little bit. Yeah. That, I'm really confused about this whole Cloverfield world. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll keep talking about it yeah. in general. But this film... Similar, as you said, the 10 Cloverfield Lane, this was based on just another film. Yeah. So the film was called God Particle. Yep. They're, they're making this film called God Particle. Script from Oren Uziel um, basically had the plot of the main film that we saw based up in space. Yeah. All that stuff was just part of this film. So that script was acquired by Paramount Pictures and Bad Robot. So Bad Robot's J.J. Abrams' company. Correct. Um, yep. So it was acquired by them in 2012. 
they initially planned as part of Paramount's low-budget Insurge distribution label, mm-hmm. but that label folded. Mm-hmm. So the production was expanded as a Paramount distributed film. Um, and only during the production of the film, so they started making the film, did J.J. Abrams decide to link it to Cloverfield. Mm. So he adapted the screenplay, adding scenes to establish that connection. Um, Literally which, that Michael character, his scenes... All the stuff just, at Earth, yeah, really, yeah. Earth, yeah. And that was based on test screenings where the test audience like, we want to know what's going on in Earth. So they're like, okay, we can... Yeah, we can show you. Show you oh, yeah. Actually, Cloverfield's going on Earth. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened with Tenant Cloverfield Lane, which was a script called The Cellar, which makes a hell of a lot of sense. It sure does. Um, I love that film. I think that is such a good film. Yeah, and you know what? That really does not need the Cloverfield Not at all. To it. John Goodman is amazing. In yeah, that. they all actually are pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, so, like, J.J. Abrams just kind of saw a link and kind of put it together and narratively, it's a franchise now. Yeah, which is weird. So, so once... Once they announced this film in late 2016, the film was still delayed several times. And then they had a surprise trailer that aired during the Super Bowl in 2018. February This 4th. is an amazing market. Like, this is this is sort of the first of what yeah. this... Yeah. This is- so they, they released a trailer during the Super Bowl on February 4th, 2018, advertising the film's final title for the first time, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was releasing on Netflix, which no one knew, mm-hmm. and then it released that night. Straight after the Super Bowl, it was available to watch. It's incredible, crazy. yeah. Crazy. Um, this is similar to what happened with Blair Witch when the sequel came out. There's, oh, there's this new horror film yeah. by Adam Wingard called The Woods. You know, and then all of a sudden, bang, it's called Blair Witch. So this had a lot of different sort of working titles too. So it started off as like a fake wording, working title. It's called Clean Pass. And then, so obviously it had the God Particle like you mentioned. Then a working title was Cloverfield Station. And then, you know, another alternative title is the Cloverfield movie. Like, this has gone through a lot. <laughs> Compared to a lot of the films we've looked at, this has gone This has gone through a fair bit for Netflix. But you could be an actor in this film, right? Probably anyone except for the guy who plays Michael. Mm. You could be an actor in this film, and it's like, oh, what film did you just shoot? Oh, it's a film called God Particle. Yeah. And then when it comes out as Cloverfield, you could be like, what? Mm. Like, how in this... Like, I, I did not even... You didn't even have to know that. Making that film, you wouldn't have even had to know. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple of examples, so... This is the first Netflix film to be released on DVD. Yep. And because I love Cloverfield, I, I purchased the DVD. So I did a little... After I'd watched it on Netflix, I did a little bit of a comparison and I checked out the special features. You hadn't seen this film prior to us no, I hadn't, doing it for no, this I'd been, yeah. yeah. I'd been wanting to watch it like a lot of Netflix films mm. and I sat on it and I checked out the special features and it's really interesting. There's, there's two mini little docos on the special features. Okay. And a majority of the cast in one of them talk about how when I first read for this script, it's a completely different movie. So <laughs> it, it, it backs up what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you know, the the cast were like, yeah, we signed on for this movie, but it's, when you can watch it now, it's completely different. So I thought that was very so interesting. So according to Aaron Uziel, who wrote the script, yep. it was during production that he actually learnt that it was being connected to Cloverfield. So they're like, hey man, we're making your script into a movie. Oh, cool. And then they're filming it and they tell him, so then he had to rewrite a few scenes yeah. um, for that additional shooting. Um, and he speculated the decision to Cloverfield was, as you sort of said, due to difficulty in marketing this standalone science Sci-fi fiction film um, and felt there was a connection between the films that they could make some sort of anthology between them all. Yeah. Um, and it, it, in a sense, it is. The movie's about each, you know, dealing... Seeing how people deal with these complex relations in this otherworldly drama. Yeah. Uh, but so the scenes that were set on Earth were basically added to production, um, and then they felt that the test audience were like, "Okay, this makes sense now." Yeah, which is debatable still. <laughs> oh, okay. No, uh, no, no, no. I, I quite like the film, but uh, I, you know, it's still like the link to Cloverfield is one thing that doesn't sit well with me. That's why we're sort of talking about it. Yeah. So it was filmed in 2016. Yeah. So sat on it for two years, or a year and a half, or whatever. So you know, well, they um, probably had probably did yeah. work on it and. Did you say how much it cost to make? It did. It, 20, it had a $26 million budget, which, you know what? Not a huge budget. Yeah. Is that what you got? I had 45, but oh, okay. that's... I, yeah, no, it's good. it's good. Talk about I it. Got so, 26, I got saw $26 million estimated budget on IMDb. Yep. Now, that could have been incorrect, but if it is a $26 million film, yeah, it's done a pretty good job. Good. So, so similar, similar, similar titles to that. Yeah. The most successful $26... $26 million film at the box office was Paul Blart Mall Cop. Okay. Now, that film did yeah. better than it should have, but that's a sign. Like $26 million is not a heap of money to play with. You're looking at 40-year-old virgin, Philadelphia, Red Eye, New Year's Eve, Final Destination 2, Brothers. Yep. 
you're not playing with a heap not of a money. Not special effects <clears> in these. Exactly, and, and this film is pretty reliant on it. Yeah, forty-five million dollars a different story. Yeah, well, so the other, so Netflix paid fifty million for the rights to this film. Okay, um, and it was made <clears> to Paramount, but Paramount said we still want to keep the um, rights for China and obviously the home release. So that's why you get it on DVD, mm. and that's why I'm a little bit confused why this is on our list because we, there's other films that Netflix pretty much have in every country except one but we it's not on this original netflix film list okay so i thought that was quite interesting the other thing that was interesting is as soon as you watch it it says something like a netflix and um paramount pictures production or something it does on netflix netflix and paramount pictures present when you chuck the dvd in every mention of netflix is removed yeah right yeah um so it's more of a distribution partner yeah so. so very interesting um one other thing we're talking about 10 cloverfield lane so uh john john goodman's character um his name is Howard Stambler. And in this film, there's like a little scene where there's this um, guy who wrote a book on Cloverfield and he's on the news coverage and his name was um, Mark Stambler. So I like the little connection that, you know, and that they've confirmed that these guys are brothers. Like the JJ Abrams said, yeah, they're brothers. So, so you know nice what? Like connection. If, if they make this, um, you know, whether it's a fourth or a fifth movie that ties everything together from these three films... I'll be extremely satisfied. <clears throat> That'll be a really good effort. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, they, I think... So, this was obviously set in like 2026 or something, so... See, did I miss that? Did it say it somewhere? Because I read it online that it was set in 2026, but I didn't see anywhere on the film that suggested yeah. that it was. So, I, I liked... So, J.J. Abrams, he came out and he said, you know, that... Spoiler alert, but at the end, there's a monster money, monster money shot at the end. And it's oh, like yeah. very over the top. Oh, yeah. And Abrams said, you know, when we tried it, it made us laugh. And, um, you know, this is him giving the audiences an extra dose of that classic Cloverfield where you sort of, in the original Cloverfield, you're supposed to laugh at a lot of these interactions with the monsters. So I, I liked that, that, you know, he's come out and said, okay, this is, we liked this and this is how it's done. Yeah. I reckon you're going to say something yeah, a little bit different. That scene was, was yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in the scenes, but that, was, that didn't work for me one bit. Um, one thing I did like was the small figurine <laughs> slusho, yep. which I did notice during the film, but I didn't actually link it back, but... So that I think that so that initially appeared in Alias TV series. Yep, JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams, yep. So and then it was in Cloverfield as well as like a um, company or something like that. So yep. it's a bit of a recurring thing. Yeah. And the same with that. Um, there was a stage where um, there's that kid who's injured, Sally, I think her <clears> name was, and she's watching this cartoon on her iPad. And that cartoon is like a cartoon that J.J. Abrams had actually developed with another oh, right. guy, which I thought was pretty cool as well. Ah, back, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was wondering what that was. I'm like, I wonder what they bought the rights off. Okay, that's yeah. Um, So I, I mentioned, I watched, I sat down and watched this, the special features on yeah. this DVD and I, it gave me a really good insight into this film that I wouldn't have got with Netflix. And I think we've mentioned before yeah. that it'd be really nice if Netflix just put a couple of like these little making of features. On their on. original films... Yeah. They have no reason not to be doing it. Yeah. So I took, a, I just wrote a couple of notes about it and I thought it'd be cool to sort of discuss with you. So, uh, and this is obviously going to spoil a few things, but there were two, they were about- We've done our spoiler. Yeah. This whole podcast is going to spoil Yeah. Film. There were these two short little, about 14 minute featurettes. Yep. So the first one was called, uh, Things Are Not As They Appear, The Making of Cloverfield. And it was a nice little, little doco where you got to see some behind the scene things of, um, you know, these characters and, and how they did some- practical effects on this movie and i really enjoyed that um so they started off with you know cloverfield's this universe about possibility and i liked that they started that off sort of telling you okay these films are all about the possibility what what could happen what and happen, yeah. uh they spoke about you know Oren Uzel spoke you know i started writing this in 2008 mm-hmm. like that's how like 10 years to get this onto screen and a lot of the little cool featurettes were about you know the lighting like they they literally used lighting so they built the whole set it was filmed on paramount lot yeah the whole thing you could it could tell it was, was on a set and they didn't use barely any um like lighting to light the shots they used the so they built the set with the lights inbuilt in the actual spacecraft and they used the different lights inside oh, the right. spacecraft to light it and i was like that's really cool so it was actually the proper lighting for yeah. the scene was yeah. used so that's why and like that's why i had that gritty sort of feel was because okay. yeah, yeah i thought that was cool yeah i liked as well so like um the, the actress who played Hamilton, she made mention, you know, this is the first movie I've ever done where there were no shots on location. The only film, and I guess that's true now, there's not a lot of films that just film on a set. Well, I mean, there's not, this this entire film, well, for her anyway, is, yeah. oh, well, actually, she's in a car for a little, I guess she's in a yeah, set. True. But otherwise, yeah, they're in a spaceship, the whole, the whole film. Yeah. And the other thing that I picked <clears> up on this was, that, so one of the characters, Mundy, he loses his arm. Yeah. 
and they showed you how they did those those. Oh, effects. that would be interesting. And it was really cool. So he wore like this green sleeve on his arm. Yeah, yeah. And they had a, a stunt guy <clears throat> whose name was Kyle, and nice. he played the stunt arm. So it literally showed you like in the scenes with, with him like you know with his arm hanging out like he's under the yeah, that yeah, actual yeah. set and just so he could still do the, the arm action. So you're telling really me that really wasn't really Chris O'Dowd's arm? It wasn't. Wow. Really. But I, I, it was just cool to see. Days. Yeah, it's just cool yeah. to see like his film. Absolutely. You spend a bit of time with those sorts of things. And then the other feature was called um, the Shepherd Team, and it was about the cast. And it literally just spoke to each of the cast members, and they just had some nice things to say about the film. Yeah. So the, there's a character called Schmidt, and he's like liked that each one had their own cultural background they could bring to the film. Tam, who was the the it's Chinese character, there's a scene in the film where she's in this water tank. Oh uh, yeah. Well, not in a water tank. Well, <laughs> well, sorry, when she's filming, yeah. it, she's in a water tank. She, that was two full days of shooting for her in that tank. Oh, no. And she had to wear weights to like keep herself down from, in the from, water when yeah, she's not flying like, to the top. Just crazy the things yeah, these actors yeah. go through to make these films. Um, and, you know, the guy who played Monk, he was like the Brazilian sort of guy. And he's like, I really like this role because when I was growing up, there were no astronauts that looked like me. And he's like, now yeah, I can yeah. be an astronaut. Can I ask if like. Yang spoke uh, English or Mandarin in the interviews? Uh, English. Did she really? Yeah, she did. She spoke English. Right. And the, the, I'll finish on... I've got this last little point that... They wanted the cast to speak Mandarin in this, and there's various scenes where they speak Mandarin. So they had a full-time coach yep. working with each of the they actors. Did sound, they did sound very good. Because they're like, we believe in 50 years, this is what the world's going to be like. Mm. That Mandarin's going to be the, the second biggest language. Probably, or it's already probably the biggest language in the world anyway. Well, just by sheer population yeah. of Chinese so people. So I thought that was really cool. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. They, were, they were cool little things that you, you don't get on Netflix. So I liked the ability to see those. Yeah, that's really good. And you know what's interesting about talking about the diversity of all the, um, all the characters is that John Krasinski was in talks to join this cast. Really? And he dropped out because um, he was filming Jack Ryan. Mm. Now, I sit there and think, if John Krasinski's in this film, there's only one American in this film. Does John Krasinski have an accent and play someone else, or is he the general, the American guy? True. Which, if John Krasinski was that role, there's there's just not enough meat in that role for, for Krasinski. True. So, it would have been very interesting if he had been in this film. Mm. I, like, I think John Krasinski is excellent. But... Um. What is it? there's so much, there's so much that you can talk about. With this there movie. is, and that's what's that's actually probably what's most interesting about it as well, though. So let's if you got more to keep going. So well, so this was nominated for an award. Yep. This, we we see this award quite a lot with Netflix films. Maybe we just look at Netflix the Golden Trailer there, yeah. Award. <laughs> Maybe but we don't look at many films awards. But the award was for the best radio ad. I just right. thought the best audio spot or best radio ad. Good, I love the media advertising team getting some, uh, getting cool. some work. Very, very cool. Um, I thought that was cool. There's a little cameo. Simon Pegg, who works in a lot of J.J. Abrams stuff, he did the voice on the radio at the beginning yep. explaining how the, the, the particle accelerator yeah, yeah. can solve the world crisis. I thought that was cool as well. Just nice little <clears> things in this. Well, the one thing that I find interesting we talk about that they spent $50 million on this film. The first trailer trended at number 11 on its first day on YouTube. And that's, you almost sit there and go, wow, like, that's almost money well spent straight away. Build a bit of hype around this film. Yeah. Like, talking about that, I guess, we can talk about the consensus. Yeah. Story, exactly. And how many people watch this film? It's, it's, yeah, it's one of our bigger, it's one of our bigger Netflix films that we've done today. So what number is this that we've done, Jesse? Is it 66? 66. So we've done 66 Netflix original films. This one had a 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb of 86,000. Probably the second or third most that we've had on any film. I think Bright had about 160. We yeah. spoke about the above the line campaign they had for that. But five and a half out of ten, not too bad. Real middle of the road kind of number, and a lot lower on Letterbox. Two point mm. three out of five. But again, four, nearly forty nine thousand. It's a lot ratings. of people. But yeah, so it's it's not. It didn't get huge results from a critical consensus. Now, not that I've looked, but I reckon ten Cloverfield Lane probably would have been pretty good. Yep, and- Cloverfield. Probably would have been pretty good as well. Yeah, memory. probably in the middle between. I reckon ten Cloverfield Lane would be probably the most popular. Most popular yeah, seventy four percent of Google users like this film. It's a good number. It's not a bad number. It's probably the best number we can see on here because mm. Rotten Tomatoes was not very good. Okay, eighteen percent. on one hundred and forty one reviews. That was this is not an eighteen percent film. Eighteen percent. That's pro- that's very low. That's people wanting to hate on this. I mean, yeah. I guess they are taking us along for a little bit of a joyride with this franchise a yeah. little bit. But I got hope that he's going to close off the loop at some point and it's going to be really satisfying. Because I made the point of watching the first two Cloverfield films within the last couple of months because I knew this was coming, coming up. up. And I wanted to have context. As it turns out, I wouldn't have needed context. Too, no. 
But that last scene would have been like, what? <laughs> well, the audience on Rotten Tomatoes was at 43%. Yeah, so, so it wasn't hugely and, popular. This that's like a bit over 8,000 still, so that's a lot of people. A lot of people watched it, which mm. is great. Um, yeah, Great win for Netflix in that sense. And I wonder what happens when the next Cloverfield film comes out. For all we know, it's already been filmed and they're just ready to change the name on us. Well, there's, there's this film I've mentioned on this podcast before called Overlord, mm. and it's... Um, Produced by J.J. Abrams, and it's sort of like a World War Two zombie sort of film. And the rumor was that that was going to be oh, the fourth no, Cloverfield yeah. film, but it got released without any connection. World whatsoever. War Two would make it real tricky to link back to. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, any, have you got anything else that you want to talk about? Before? I really don't. Okay, so I don't think I do. I think we should probably talk. Well, we mentioned this was released on DVD. Yeah, it came out on the fourth of Feb in uh, twenty eighteen in it. Australia, Turkey, and the USA, and then the next day, the rest of the world. Oh, so okay. it's a little bit of a different release. Okay. And then DVD Lucky us. in Feb 2019. So it looks like they had about a, a 12-month thing where Netflix said, we're keeping the rights for 12 months before you can Paramount can release it yep, on DVD. Which we've seen Literally the like to the day, the 5th of Feb. So. Okay, we've seen that before. Yeah. All right, early thoughts. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I do want to say that I had a 68% match on Netflix for this fella. Um, Not very high. I'm I'm quite a positive film lover, and I get quite high matches, which is deceptive. I didn't even have a match on this one. Didn't you? Weird, yeah. Yeah, I hate it when that happens. 68% for me, so I wasn't expecting too much, but um, I guess it knew the fact. I'm not particularly into space mission movies, and despite a few hang-ups that I did have with it, I generally did enjoy it. Um, I still have absolutely no idea what they were actually doing with that big laser thing. And that's why I kind of said to you, sustainable energy is that what we're doing? And I don't know how they like flip dimensions, but the story was easy enough to follow without getting caught in that detail. I can understand people getting bothered by that, but I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to understand it. So let's just move on. So um, they did go pretty hard out on a limb on some things that I would have liked to clean a payoff with. Um, but I enjoyed the characters. I, I enjoyed the fact that they actually had really far-fetched reactions to the things that were far-fetched. Yeah. So I kind of was like, okay, at least you're not acting like this world is ridiculous. So sure. So yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. Well, yeah, good. Yeah, well, as we've probably already spoken about, I really like Cloverfield films. Yeah. So uh, I get really excited when that bad robot logo comes on the screen. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm in for a treat. And uh, I probably it's probably my least favorite. Cloverfield film, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, it's a long for a ride. Like I like a good sci-fi film. I don't necessarily like sci-fi where there's lots of gibbly, rubbishy sort of words. And this one didn't have too much of it. It was pretty easy to understand what was going on. So yeah, I, I got on board. Easy to understand, despite it being pretty crazy in some points. Definitely, like, you, you you could get through it without getting worn down in details. Yeah. All right. Well. Let's look at some characters from this film. There's, look, there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters. I'm, I'm not going to say a lot on each of them because I don't know if you really need to. Um, yeah. So what what have you got? Well, I've got... So obviously Hamilton. Hamilton was our lead lead, lead, lead lady. Yep. We kind of basically follow her. It's her story at the end of the day. She was smart. She was a good voice of reason for probably the first two thirds of the narrative. She basically said everything that I was thinking as an audience member, but then completely flipped that in the final act, which didn't work as well for me. So she was obviously battling that grief from that really brutal tragedy of losing her kids. And that was a driving force for her decision for being on the expedition in the first place. But interestingly, they didn't reveal that until quite later in the piece. Um, So that, that, whilst it explained her losing that sense of reliability, it meant that for the first two thirds of the film, we found her very reliable. And then she just kind of just lost that. So I found it very difficult to to really connect with by the end of it. Because at the start, I was like, cool, she's just a vehicle for the audience. Yep. And then at the end, it's like, okay, she's kind of a little bit little bit crazy and got reason to be crazy. I, I like, yeah, I thought it was good to have this strong female lead from the start. Yeah. And in the middle, I sort of was like, oh, I'm getting lost. But I kind of liked that back end reveal. And I was sort of, that got me back into it when I'm like, okay, what choice is she going to make for this? So this I didn't family? dislike the back end reveal because the first start of the film doesn't work if you know that she's going through grief, right? You don't think of her yeah. as the way you think of her. So that, I agree, that does yeah. work. But then yeah. it just got me, Yeah, I couldn't figure her out afterwards. Fair. Michael? I put him next just because he's sort of with Hamilton. He's the first character that you meet on the screen. For sure, yeah. And I had him as like a nothing character. I, he was, yeah. yeah. And I... Like, he's this nice guy. He's a doctor. He wants to help out. I really didn't like... I thought the scenes with him saving that kid was pointless. 
I think the the whole of the Earth scenes were, and it's funny hearing it later on that they were so tacked on yeah. that they had to at least give him a little story. Yeah, um, and I just, that little story just was. Yeah, we already knew he was a good guy because you know you hear in the dialogue when he's talking in the car that he's you know works. At he's a great like yeah. he's a selfless dude. Yeah, he's a strong guy as well because he's going through the same shit as she yeah. is, and he's and he's the one that's like, he, he, he hasn't got her there. So he's a strong guy. He's a selfless guy. And it was just like you set him up with something to do by yeah. That's, save, what, it, yeah, save that's what it was, and that's what I didn't like about his character. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so we've got a. a a crew of people on the we ship. do. I think the most important one to talk about first is Schmidt. Sure. So I think the film is a whole lot less interesting without that character. Um, they did a good job at making him seem suspicious. Despite you thinking he was doing such a great job and he was probably the key to success. But that combination of him being the safeguard to getting them home. I felt like they could never get home without Schmidt, right? But then I was and never that's quite... That's why he's one of the ones that stays there. But then right but the you were never quite sure... Of the angle of, that he was actually taking, because there were the suspicions that he was the mole, and I think they did that quite well, and it made him and probably the whole story a lot more interesting because you were a bit unsure of him. It's like this guy's a gun; he's going to figure it out. Let's let him work. Oh, hang on, do we want to let him work because we're a bit sus on him? So he's one of the ones where the accent. I thought he had a British accent, like throughout the film. I'm like, he's meant to be German. Where's his accent? He was German. Why? Because he had a patch on his arm. No, he sounded German the it whole time. Didn't to me one little bit, didn't and I, I was really frustrated. And I'll probably lead into this with Volkov, who was the Russian. I was like, surely we've passed those nineteen eighties movies where you've got to have this tee off between Russians and a Russian and the German. <laughs> like, why? It was a bit too stereotypical. It was massively stereotypical. I didn't. I was like, you know, oh, the Russians not going to like the German. The Germans. Not, that's like this deceit. Like, is this a Cold War film? Yeah. Like that, that's where I was at, and I was thinking, what's going on? Like. Why I thought we're past the stage where you stereotype nationalities as um, villains, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So that was what got me a little bit with Schmidt and Volkov. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't a massive fan of their stereotypes. I guess. That's cool. I've got nothing else to say on Volkov, really, if you want to cover him now, because I, apart from the fact that he was clearly set up as like the first one that's going to die. Die, yeah. They set that up really easily, so I was like, you know what, I don't need to really bother with you too much. Keel, I had down. Yeah. He was just a character to keep everyone on track. That's what, you, that's what I saw him as, is this vehicle to make sure everyone's doing the right thing and we're sticking to what we need to do. So I've got a couple of... I've got two thoughts on him. Have you ever, firstly, have you ever had a leader in a film have less impact on screen? <laughs> like, it, took, it took me like half an hour to realise he was the one in charge. Mm. Like, he was that useless. Yeah. Um, and to that point, is it interesting that they made him American? Was it just the fact that they had an American and that was the role for him? Or was it a commentary on the US being in charge when they're not really in charge? Ooh, didn't even consider that. I, I, looked, I looked at it more as a tokenistic thing. We need to, we've got a cast of varying nationalities. We need to put an African-American in there as well. That's what I saw it as. But in charge? In charge, yeah. So to me, it was like a point of representation. That was I found it interesting that the American was in charge and he was also the guy who probably had the least impact on everything. That and went it's out tricky there. though, because they set you up as you're there to follow... Um, Hamilton mm. so usually in a film where you're following the captain or you're following mm. the person in charge whereas you're not following him so maybe that's why he felt so I don't know I want to give him credit and say that's what Americans think they're in charge mm. but at the end of the day it's everyone else whose feet are working a little bit harder under the water good pickup. I like it who else have you got uh, I've got Mundy yep um, basically comic relief yep but also had a bit of that everyman feeling to him he seemed, despite of the fact that he was, he seemed less sciencey, so he became a lot more relatable for the audience. He also didn't overdo the humour, which I think is kind of what works for Chris O'Dowd. I don't think he's good when he goes over the top, but um, he was he was likable and he was relatable. This is his third Netflix original film. Got to mention that Chris O'Dowd. I think that's the most that we've had. Yeah, so he's, so he's in Mascots. Bad role for him. And he was in Incredible Jessica, Jessica James, James, which he was excellent in. Good and role. to me. This was his best Netflix role okay. like, for me personally. Right. I th- I liked him and I actually found I his, liked him too. I thought he was funny. Mm. For a, I, I really I, I really enjoyed his lines. The delivery was on tar- it was perfect timing. It worked well with everything else that's happening on that ship or station or whatever it is. I thought it was really good. I think his humor is better when it's downplayed. Hmm. He's not the Jim Carrey in no, your face kind of humor. Exactly. And that was what he almost tried not tried to be. His character was terrible in mascots. Let's almost just write that off. It's not his fault. I thought in um, Incredible Jessica James, he was excellent. But again, it was that low-key kind of humor that works for him. So, yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, I had Monk down just because I was like, you've got this Brazilian dude who likes to pray. Yep. So you've got this this aspect of 
praying, making sure everything's going all right. And what else he got for him? Not much. Yeah, I, I he was he was pretty useless. Yeah. considering he was the second last one to die. Oh, yeah, like how did he last that long? I'm like, this dude's still here. He did well. He's not doing anything? I had Tam down just because I was like, you, very tokenistic to me as well. It was like we need to see if we can do big box office numbers in China. So we're going to chuck in a, a Chinese actress. That to me, that's how it felt. So look, I love Zee Zhang. Yep. Love her. Um, and I love seeing her in a movie again. Yeah. So I haven't seen her since she was a lot younger in a lot of Chinese films, um, big films. And it was awesome just to see her again. I thought that the character was sort of smart and scrappy. Um, I found her to be really interesting once Jensen, when Jensen comes out and says, I don't know who this person is, it kind of made her the difference or the enigma. If they're going to sort this out, it's because of Tam. Yeah. Because the ultimate, the ultimate dimension of this spaceship didn't have her. Yeah. So... I Jensen instead. Exactly. Yep. So Tam's going to be the difference here. It made her really interesting to me. I quite liked her as a character. Mm. But Ziyi Zhang, well, off the top of my head, House of Flying Daggers, Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think I might have... Um, Memoirs of a Geisha. Like, yep. she probably had all them within five or six years. Yeah. Massive films and she was the star in all of them. So, she's awesome. And then Jensen's probably the last one that we haven't touched on. Yeah, and you know what? We probably should have touched on her earlier. Yeah. Um, firstly, what's Elizabeth Becky doing this kind of role for? Girl's a star. She's a star. It's an interesting call, isn't it? Uh, also, Melburnian. She's very close to home. She, yes. Well, she's got a lot. I've got a few mutual friends with Elizabeth. Oh, really? I'm actually very good friends with her cousin. Small world. Well, my cousin. Yeah. I don't know her very well. <laughs> you would have seen He was at my wedding, actually. Oh, wow. Um, but she's an intriguing character, um, mainly because she came from this alternate reality. There was this unknown element to her and how she was going to behave. And they kind of gave her a really long leash with what they could do with her in that sense. So they were really clever to pretty much keep her under wraps for the majority of the film. Most of the film, she's just sitting there doing nothing. So you actually don't know what her limit's going to be. Um, and they eventually show this humanized nature to her that shows her being smart and compassionate to Hamilton. But her goal was always to get home and get home with the shepherd. And in the right timeline. And Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, home. <laughs> yeah, home yeah. for her. And that never wavered. Like, that was... Yeah, she was a good decoy. Uh, there's a Netflix film, original film that came out this year called I Am Mother, I think it was called. It's a long way... I think it's called I Am Mother. Very like this Jensen character reminded me so much of that film. It's literally yeah. like you've got this. It's like a one location film character. You don't know where they've come from. Trying to work out what they're from. Just oh, right, reminded yeah. me, and that's actually an Australian film. Um, okay, but yeah, reminded me very much of that. Yeah, yeah. All right, she's great, though, Elizabeth. Yeah, Bell. she was good star. Director Julius Ona. Yeah, lots of shorts. Didn't really know anything else. Yeah, so this is his second feature film um, yeah. off the back of a number of shorts after The Girl Is In Trouble in 2015, hmm. which I think uh, had about 800 ratings on, on IMDb, so not Pretty a huge film, but um, probably a big one for him here. Yeah, massive. But the writer. Of trust. Yes, the writer, Oren Uziel, wrote and directed Shimmer Lake, which is one of my favourite Netflix original films that we've done. But he also wrote 22 Jump Street, and he's down to write Sonic the Hedgehog and Detective Pikachu 2, so... It's got a bit of a wheelhouse, um, Oren Azil. Go back and listen to Shimmer Lake if you're interested in hearing a bit more about Listen Oren to Azeel. it. It's a great movie. Jesse didn't like it. You can you can find that on our, our feed. Yeah. I thought this was pretty well cast. Yeah. There was. wasn't anyone that really... John Krasinski could not. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was pretty good. All right, let's talk about some scenes. Hmm. What, what have you got that stood out? All right, my scenes that I liked. Um, the very first scene, I thought it was a pretty good setup in the car to understand who Hamilton is um, and Semi, what she sort of has to do. And just that line from Michael, if you go, you and I will survive. Yep. If you don't, no one will. Just sets up the world that we're in and, and, exactly. and what's going to happen. That was pretty cool too, like the lights going out, the big queue of gas. There's obviously, and, and you know what, they were also kind of like just fine with it. Like mm. it was just normal. normal. This is the way the world is yeah. right now, so... Without trying to shove it in your face, the world's pretty fucked. That's kind of and where this is, that. this is before the... This is two years the, earlier, really. This is before the Cloverfield stuff happens, yeah. Is that right? Well, but this is before... The first Cloverfield film? No, 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 sorry. This is before the they open the paradox which allows the Cloverfield things to come in. So they, their world, they've got all that struggle without these monsters coming in. Right. So i got to say, so Cloverfield you... and 10 Cloverfield Lane, do you imagine they're basically happening simultaneously? It's a good question. Um, yes. Yes, I, I think that kind of makes yeah. sense. Whereas this one, they've, they've said a lot later, so the world gets cleaned up a bit. Yeah, that's so what I think. maybe the next film is 
them defeating these. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. They've got us bloody suckers. <laughs> um, the other next scene I like, I like that first scene when they did that big zap thing, whatever they were doing with the blue light. And, but their idea of being lost when they were like, where the hell's Earth? Yeah. That idea of being lost in space with no direction is terrifying and weirdly claustrophobic and they captured it really well in that scene. You know that scene in Gravity where she goes out of the ship and she's, ah, oh, just, it gets me. And there's exactly the same, like, where's okay. Earth? I'm like, oh my God, what do you do? Where do you go? What direction do you go in? Are you going further? Oh, okay. I wasn't, um, yeah, all right. I'll get to that maybe, you know. It captured, it, that captured that scene, that feeling, sorry, feeling, really okay. well. Cool. Um... <laughs> And the only other scene I've got is I've described as the mystery and intensity around finding a motherfucking human in the wall with wires going through her arms when she wasn't on the bloody expedition that they left for two years ago. There's some good prosthetics uh, done there yeah, too. There was. Um, they, they, there was that lead up where you like they they kept showing that photo with the crew on the yeah, on the wall, yeah, and I was like, who? I saw it twice. I'm like, who's the blonde chick? Who's the blonde chick? So, uh, yeah. oh, did you? I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> you better give me a response to this. So that was going to work. But that was all I had for um, oh, cool. my favorite scenes. I, I liked a lot of the comedic lines from Mundy. So unlike a lot of Chris O'Dowd films from previous Netflix films, I thought a lot of his lines here were, were good. I liked when he's You didn't like, like him in Incredible Jessica James, did you? Nah, I didn't. Yeah, okay. So in, like, this is a good change up for me. I liked him, you know, <laughs> Volkov is talking about, you know, we're not in Kentucky anymore. And he's like, you know. He's like, you know, where, you mean Kansas? He's like, I thought that was really like it was funny. It was it was really. I'm well glad liked. that you liked that because that would be the sort of thing you wouldn't like. <laughs> you know, the, the, during the opening credits, they've got like, the, well, not even the opening, there's like these cuts between you sort of being introduced to the characters, and there's these like innate shots of things that are in the ship, and there's this one of the worms, and then the follow through is like, you know. Chris O'Dowd's character's like, well, we found the worms. So it was, so it was great, you know. And like when he loses his arm, he's like, "Where's my bloody arm?" He's like, "Is there any chance it might grow back?" Yeah, that's and then the arm's crawling around, and he's like, "That's my fucking arm." Uh, I just thought, I thought his delivery was really, really good in a lot of scenes. Doesn't he say something like, "My arm did that," or like, yeah, "My arm yeah. saved the day"? And he gives it the pen. He's like, yeah. "Oh, yeah. I thought that was cool." Uh, and I, I mentioned this before. I liked the turnaround with about half an hour to go. That ethical choice of Hamilton knowing that her kids are alive in another dimension. And I thought that was good motivation for that last, for that closing of that film. And I really, I liked that. This is good. Cause yeah. we are going to completely Complain. be opposed on that. Good. All right. What didn't you like? Is that, so the first thing when, when Volkov died, I don't know if you noticed this, but he's like dying and they throw him on that bed. And then you hear the heart rate monitor go flat. Yeah. When they never even put a heart rate monitor on him. <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair. Like, I wasn't paying that much attention. They just threw him on the bed. And then it's like, beep. beep. It's like, hang on. <laughs> How's that going off? Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, and then like, basically the other stuff that I didn't like, a lot of it came to the fact that um, Hamilton basically just decided that she needed to see these kids in an alternate universe. And then when she said, I don't just need them. I I don't just need to see them. I need to save them. I was like, this is this is bullshit. Like, to me, this is where the story went stale. And I get that we needed another reason to make returning to Earth more difficult and returning back home more difficult. And the audience wanted Hamilton to reunite with Michael, so that made that yep. dilemma there. But that that reason didn't work for me. Like, you've got these kids that are two years old or probably like five years older than they were when she lost them. There's another Hamilton down there. Her excuse of like, I, I need to warn them not to like, it just, it didn't work for me. It felt really forced. Didn't, didn't they make some comment about like, whatever happens in that world is going to happen from the other That was there. her assumption. She's like, I know who I am. And if I was saving money on electricity yeah. here, I'm going to do it again. And it's yeah. going to happen again. So, okay. And then, the, and then that came that, that idea where she sent that me, the video message to the other Ava or yeah. the other Hamilton, stop and hold your kids. I just didn't feel any of that emotion because that part of the story never resonated with okay. me at all. I think they needed to find another reason to make it more difficult for her to come home in the first place. Okay. Um, it also bothered me when Keel died and he basically sacrificed herself himself and she never said goodbye to him. Like she knew what he was doing and she just kind of stood there yeah. and she could have been like, like you're a legend or no, thank you. Looked, or looked at him through the window. She just stared at him. It's like, give him something. He's about to die and you know he's going to die. <laughs> um, and there's one more scene that I didn't like, which I call the final scene with the monster seemingly eating the escape pod. <laughs> it just didn't work at all for me. Like the audience deserves more than that cheap gimmick. Um, it's Cloverfield. And I, but is the Cloverfield franchise just taking the piss <laughs> with these movies that exist outside the universe and just plonking them into it? It almost feels like they are. Yeah. Like JJ Abrams is having a big laugh about it. He did. He, well, he did. 
thought it was but, hilarious. But is he laughing about the fact that it just, it's a funny visual, or is he laughing that he's pulling our leg on? You sat there for gotcha. an hour and a half and it's like, ha ha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, it didn't work. But well, like I said, I've, we'll see how it all ends up. But that okay. Was... Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really like the Cold War tension idea. I just thought that was rubbish. Uh, I've spoken about that before. Yeah. You mentioned that you liked. I didn't like the scene where the Earth disappears because all the characters just started running. And I get that they were confused, but I was like, where are they running? What are they trying to see? Are they trying to get a different perspective? Like, are they trying to see out different sides to see if the Earth's on the exactly what they were doing, weren't they? But half of them just ended in the middle of a corridor where there was nothing. Like, I just, I don't know. To me, I was like, that was weird. I'd be, uh, if it was me, I would be absolutely terrified by that. At first, I yeah. wouldn't be on a bloody spaceship. But <laughs> if that was me, I would be so chilled yeah. at that idea. And that's it captured it really well for me. Fair. Uh, then when they do find the Earth... Like, oh, they all got happy. That was weird. Let's celebrate. Let's pop some champagne. And Tam's character, she goes, oh, I'll ask for some dumplings. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Really it bad. It didn't sit right yep. with me one little bit. Yep. Good one. I Good did not like that. Also, um, was was the earth just behind the sun? Is that what it was? Was it just like hiding behind the sun? That's why they couldn't see it? No. And they were like upside down or something? Yeah, it was uh, some sciencey thing. Yeah, okay. Last one I've got is um, towards the end of the film they go outside the station to try and fix it. Oh yeah, I didn't like like all these climbing ladders. It was just stupid. It's like you just stuff. feel obliged to have a scene where yeah, they nick yeah, outside, outside the, the yeah. ship. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. All right, what's this film trying to say? What are some themes, some ideas? That some... is a great question. What was this movie trying to say? <laughs> I, I'm, Survival. Like, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Yeah, like you can't have your cake and eat it. Yeah, but. I don't know. They, they weren't. No, nothing really hit home with me on this film. This film was enjoyable to watch. Yeah. But I didn't walk out of it thinking that I I grew as a human, which is fine. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. The little things like pick like survival, like the whole yep. time they're trying to survive on this ship, and you know, like you said about you like that setup at the start in the car where it's like you know if you don't survive, no one will. So this whole they're in the ship to not just survive for themselves, but they need to get back so they can save the rest of the earth. So. And that the was, idea when they realise they're, they're in an ultimate alternate dimension yeah. and, and half of them are like, we're going to go back to our dimension and the other half is like, screw it, let's just go to that Earth yeah. and then figure it out. Um, they didn't. They could have explored this a bit further, but like these natural resources running out and needing to find another alternative, like yep. there could have been more depth to that, I thought. Sure, um, yeah, I agree. And, you know, that whole stealing the power is wrong too. Um, yeah, yeah. And the last thing was family to me. Like, doing what um, Hamilton could do to try and be with her family and like enjoying the company of the people that she has rather than worrying about the ones that are lost. So yeah. I, I like that touching that sort of, they touched on that. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. I get yeah. That. Okay. What did we take from this? Well, you kind of actually touched on this nicely with your um, energy discussion just then, but I think this is something that could have worked really well as a mini series. Okay. Um, obviously had a lot of characters they all had their own quirks and they all had their own motivations and you've got a world or in essence you've got two worlds because they go to another reality Mm. that's going through their own separate hardships so if you took the time to develop all of this you could squeeze out six episodes easily and probably get a better result I reckon I think this would have been pretty interesting whether you can try and sell a random sci-fi, sci-fi yeah. six six part series is is another question. Yeah. Considering they couldn't do it in the first place, so they had to tack on the Cloverfield name. Um, what's it called? The so George R. R. Martin, um, Netflix picked up. So obviously he wrote Game of Thrones. Yeah. Netflix picked up one of his earlier little shorts, which is a sci-fi thing called Night Flyers, and it's stuck in their Netflix somewhere, and it's like an eight part sort of similar things set on a, on okay. a spaceship so if you're interested um, but I mean this sort of stuff has been done yeah. with like your Firefly and yep. Fast oh, Fast Gate's a bit more fantastical yeah. but Star Trek's Star, Star Trek, Trek. Well, Star Trek's great um, you do don't you yeah. I, yeah I thought this was decent sci-fi and like I've mentioned I'm not sure you needed to put this into the Cloverfield world it would have to me it would have yeah stopped. well I don't think you needed to put it either and, and yeah. I don't know how the Cloverfield name is as big as it is that it can have that impact it's funny well, it did it? didn't it yeah I know so, it, yeah, did. it did I'm not, yeah. I'm not disputing that at all it, it's JJ Abrams I think You, the hype around you know the last Star Wars he's done like it's you put his name to it I don't know it's different yeah I wouldn't mind this on the big screen either like, uh, it would have looked good yeah, it would have looked good screen, yeah. sound would have been great I think it was meant to be made for the big screen right Paramount <laughs> that money. <thought> it was <laughs> yeah. exactly alright what did you jump on IMDB to check anything out the only reason I did is mm-hmm. to see whether Zi Zhang 
has been doing any English movies of oh, her. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure, but the, the answer's not really. She's okay. So what? Like, Crouching Tiger. I think House of Flying Daggers was two thousand and four, and since then it's been slim pickings from a big commercial sort of perspective. But okay. Um, she hasn't done much English, but it does look like she's in Godzilla vs Kong coming out next year. I don't know what in what capacity, but cool. Um, I really like her. I think she's yeah. great, and it, it just there's a lot of nostalgia in those movies for me. So it, I did really enjoy seeing it back. Cool. Um, what about you? So I looked up the that Mark Stambler guy on the TV at the start. I mentioned him before. Oh, right. He's the one that was doing that report. I was like, I'll be frank with you. I read that thing on the internet about him having the same name as John Goodman's yeah. character, and I couldn't for the life of me think who the hell he was. Yeah. I was like, who's this who's guy who's got the same name? And then when you said it, I'm like, oh, that's right. So the actor, his name is Donald um, Lug. Yeah. And he's from Gotham. He's like the oh, okay. detective with um, the Ryan guy from the OC. They, oh, uh, yeah. That was like, oh man, how did I not pick that? Who's Ryan from the OC playing Gotham? <sighs> I can't even think of Is he name. Gary Oldman's character from Dark Knight? Yeah, he's Knight? the detective. The, who becomes... This, yeah. this is my DC knowledge. Yeah, he's yeah, the detective, yeah. yeah. Um. I looked up, we spoke about it before, I looked up that bleep bloop cartoon just because uh, I'd, I'd seen it, it before work. and I, I wanted to know. And so the the guy um, that Abrams worked with on it, Ben Schwartz, who is on Park and Rex, and he voiced BB-8 in Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, he voiced yeah, like the, the beeps. BB, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what um, big bloop. Um, last one, I just wanted to look up, and we mentioned her before, Elizabeth Delecki. I just wanted to check Debecky. she was, a, Debecky, I just wanted to check she was Australian. Um, she is, but she only moved here when she was like five. Okay. Yeah. Born in France. She went to school right in, in Australia. Australia. Yeah, very good. Yeah. All right. Questions. Have you got any questions for us? Um, <laughs> we've, we've answered my question. Yeah. My question was, what is Cloverfield and what does the whole Cloverfield universe represent? Like, I don't think anyone knows. No. And is that is that the big scam? Like, oh, it's like J.J. Abrams is playing with house money and just having a whole lot of fun with it. Yeah. And I'm alright with Don't that. Don't blame me, guy. I love films. I'm happy to be taken along for a little bit of a ride, but I've got a limit. Like, if he makes another, if he makes another film like this, yeah, he's gonna lose me. Okay. And it's not saying this the, is a bad yeah. film, but I'm getting nowhere on what the hell Clover. Clo- what does Cloverfield mean? Do they even say the word Cloverfield in the first film? I don't know. I can't. Even, uh yeah, they do. Oh, they don't say it, but in. So the the thing is, um, in between the shots that they've got from the found footage, yep. it's like. Something about Cloverfield Department of Ah, uh, they do. Yep, you're right. Is, yeah. You're right. So it is. It's almost like a, a code, area, it's area like 51 code word type. or something. Yeah, Dep- US Department of yeah code word. All right. Okay, that's actually quite cool. So this is. I'm not. I'm not sure if I lost this or I didn't understand the time travel or whatever it was. But they're on the ship. Mm. They Earth comes back in a vision, mm. and then there's TV footage of yeah. their ship crashing in the water, and there's like there's six dead bodies in the ship mm. so if there's those dead bodies in the ship in the water and they've just come back into the world that wasn't their ship that was, was the alternate ship. universe ship okay and that was why Elizabeth Debecky who's the seventh okay good you from that. that for me yep. so they were still in that universe they hadn't they only switched back to, back to their universe right at the end when it was just Hamilton and Schmidt so were this so they were in Elizabeth Debecky's universe at that point. So their counterparts were those six people that had died. And for okay. some reason, she was in the wall. She was in the wall. Okay. So there were seven crew altogether. Yep. Okay. All right, cool. Thank you. That helps me. I'm done. Um, no, good question. I just thought this idea, like, kill three people to save eight billion. It's a very philosophical sort of question. Like, is that the right thing to do? Or is human life just so special that you just wouldn't kill anyone? Just let things run. How Cause, they yeah, because are you killing, killing eight yeah. billion, or yeah, or is it something else that's doing or, that? Yeah, or is there going to be another way to save those eight billion? It just got to me. <laughs> if you kill those three people, you know they're going to die. Yeah, those eight people. Yeah, eight billion. Sorry, might. Yeah. Last one. You mentioned this before. The monster at the end. Huge. Did I slowed it down? Did it eat the pod? Oh yeah. Because I slowed it down, and the monster came up a bit to the left, and the pod to me looked like it went to the right. So, cool. So I just want did. You know, Michael and Hamilton reunite. In my view, it like went straight through the middle. So yeah, I'm glad that you read because that thing was huge. massive, huge. Like it took up like the entire screen. Mm. I don't uh, know. I was just yeah. I was like, Ooh. I bet we'll never find out. No, never. Well, unless unless yeah. like the final one is just like the girl from Ten Cloverfield <laughs> Lane <laughs> catching oh, up with Hamilton and Schmidt. Oh, <laughs> yeah, tough. All right, I think it's time we. we... Does anyone survive in the first Cloverfield? No. No. Oh, 
none of the characters that you follow. Anyway. Yeah, that's what I mean. All right, let's let's put this all together. We give our films a rating out of five. Yep. Then we average it out. MJ, what have you got for us? Um, despite the holes that this film had and the seemingly outlandish leaps of faith that I had to take, I still found myself enjoying the mystery of the journey. Still, have a lot of questions about the Cloverfield universe as a whole. <laughs> Maybe we'll get another chance to answer them on another Netflix podcast. Maybe. Um, because they were obviously seemingly unanswered during this watch. Um, but I'm probably too much of a sucker to let that keep me away. So it's three stars for me. Very nice. All right. Well, like I said before, this was a bit of a letdown from previous Cloverfield films for me. Um, as this is, more, it was more of a bunch of people stuck in space story that could have been done without the Cloverfield name. It wasn't anything new, um, but I did enjoy it. And I'm also giving it a three. Yeah. So that gives us an average of. Three. Three. <laughs> Very nice. So, we, we are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Social media. Check out our posts. Give us a shout. Give us a shout out. Give us a like. Give us a retweet. We pop a question up. This week, our question is... This week, this day. This day. I can't... Sorry. This day. <laughs> this day, our question... Yeah, you can tell who runs the social media accounts. <laughs> Definitely not me. <laughs> so, this day is our question, and we've touched on this. So, the question is, does the next Cloverfield film come from an original screenplay, or is it intertwined with someone else's story? How do they approach the next one? Do they pick up another story that's already exists and tack it on? Or I would love to say that it? they don't. I would too. That's but what I, I feel like JJ Abrams them a lot of fun doing it this way. <laughs> Good. All right. Let's see what people say. We're yeah. back again tomorrow. Another film, another day. We're looking at the 2018 rom com when go, we could, first met. I could go a rom com right now. Actually, me too. Yeah. Bit of up and about. I'm, I'm ready for that. Directed by Ari Sandal. Cool. Stars Adam Devine. Oh yeah. Alexandra Daddario. Oh, yeah. Shelley Henning, mm. Andrew Batchelor, and Robbie Amell. Robbie Amell. Robbie Amell, Netflix favorite. He's another... Him and Chris O'Dowd are going to fight it out. Fight it out. So we're checking that out again tomorrow. As usual, thanks for having a nice, long, lengthy discussion. I pre- this is, You're the best person to talk about this sort of stuff with for that Cloverfield. Yeah, so Cloverfield um, was good. It was very insightful for me, and I hope it was for our audience too, um, with all of our spoilers. Yeah, all right. I'll see you and everyone else tomorrow. See you all tomorrow.